Well, good morning. It's lovely to see uh, all of you. You are invited. Over lockdown, those three words were generally followed by to a Zoom meeting. And quite frankly, all of us, we have Zoom fatigue now, don't we? And from tomorrow, the new rule of six rather restricts the size of invitation that we can have. It's bad news for S Club 7 was the joke on trending on Twitter over the last week. It's bad news too for um, the Wynn family. We're six in our family, uh, so from Monday we can't meet socially with anybody else at all. And so really, what are we wanting to do in this sermon series? We're wanting to put the pizzazz back into those three words. You are invited to give you invitations that you are all invited to. Everybody here, whoever you are, and also everyone on the live stream too. And it's lovely to have you with us this morning. But when you're invited to something, you want to be clear, don't you, on on what the invitation is. What are the details of the invitation? You know, what's what's the party going to be like? Who's on the guest list? Who's going to be there? What's the dress code? That kind of thing. I remember a party that I was invited to a while back now. Um, it was back when I was a student, so quite a while back. And uh, it was about 200 people uh, in a student house. The place was absolutely rammed with people. I mean, in this day and age, it would be a COVID hotspot if ever there was one. And um, it, was, it was 1997. And me and four other guys, we were sure that this party was a fancy dress party. And it was 1997, the Spice Girls were, were at their pomp. Um, it was a couple years later before S Club 7. And... Um, Spice up your life, and if you want to be my lover, those were sort of the tunes of the day. And uh, so it was obvious to us, we were five, and so it was obvious what we should go to this fancy dress party dressed as. Now, I was um, duly designated, can you guess which one? What was that? Baby Spice, you got it, I was Baby Spice, complete with my blonde locks that I still have uh, in bunches, it was a delight, Uh, thankfully no social media uh, existed back then. But we went to this party excited about this invitation, and we walked in, the five of us, as the Spice Girls, to discover that there was not a single other person in fancy dress in the entire party. No one. We were the only five. So, first of all, let us be clear about the details of this invitation. When we had that little video just then, we, it was referenced uh, a verse, Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus himself giving us all an invitation. And the invitation he gives us, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Jesus' invitation, come to me. First and foremost, you are not invited to come to the gospel. First and foremost, you are not invited to come to church, as great and important as those two things are. No, first and foremost, you and I, we are invited to come to a person, to Jesus. And my guess is for all of us, even if we've had some lovely holiday at some point over the summer, with all the challenges of this year, most of us, I would guess, we are feeling weary and burdened. You know those little sort of light-up letterboxes that some people put little messages in and they put them in their windows so you can read them as you go past on the street? Well, I drove past one this week and someone just had in their house, in this little letterbox, they just had the words, bring on 2021. Bring on 2021. I'm done with this year. So many of us, we are weary and burdened. You know, the time of lockdown has, of course, had all sorts of challenges. And one of the things that it's done is stripped everything back when it comes to being a Christian. Because when gathering with other Christians is restricted, when the emotional high of singing our lungs out in worship to God, when that's forbidden, 
When so much of our collective experience of what it means to be a Christian is removed, then when all that's stripped back, we're left more clearly with what is going on just between me and Jesus. And what's left when everything else is stripped back? And I wonder, have you, have you actually responded to that simple, personal invitation from Jesus Christ to you? Come to me, says Jesus, or you who are weary and burdened. Now, unlike the details for my, um, my not fancy dress party in 1997, Jesus, he is totally clear about the details about himself. And I think it is absolutely staggering what he says. You know, Matthew chapter 11, it is the one place in the entire Bible where Jesus, as it were, pulls back the curtain, where he says, I'm going to pull back the curtain, I'm going to tell you about what is going on in my heart, what I'm really all about. And what does he say about his own heart? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, what does he say? For I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, I wonder, would those be the very first two words that you would choose to describe Jesus' heart, the very essence of who he is, gentle and humble? The, the word for gentle is Jesus saying he's not harsh, he's not rash, he's not quickly exasperated. I wish I was more like that. Jesus, he's characterized not by a pointed finger, but by open arms. He's gentle. And then he's humble. And gentle and humble, they, they overlap with each other quite a bit. But humble, it can be translated as lowly. Uh, the, really, the point is Jesus, he is so accessible. For all Jesus' majesty, for all his glory, for all his greatness, nobody in the entirety of human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus. You see, whoever you are, whatever your past or your present looks like, you qualify for this invitation from Jesus. Indeed, you explicitly do not need to, to remove your problems. You explicitly do not need to sort of polish up your sins. You do not need to pull yourself together before you come to Jesus. But Jesus says, he says, come to me with your weariness, with your burdens. Just come. Elsewhere in John chapter 6, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus, he is the most accessible person ever. And the reason Jesus is so accessible, he's so approachable, uh, the reason he won't drive you away if you come to him, it's because of what was in the second half of our reading that Joy read for us. What did it say? It's going to come up on the screen. Hebrews 12, verse 23. It says this, You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, Abel. Abel was right back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And you'll remember maybe that Abel, he was murdered by his brother Cain in Genesis chapter 4. And God, after the murder, he says to Cain, God says, your brother's blood, it cries out to me from the ground. In other words, Abel's blood, it was crying out, it was speaking a word of judgment. A word of judgment for God to bring judgment on Cain for his sin. After all, as it says in our verse in Hebrews, God is the judge of all. That's Abel's blood. But Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Jesus' sprinkled blood in the face of our sin, what does it say to us? Jesus' blood says, I love you. I forgive you. I died for you. I cleanse you. 
I protect you. I'll always be there for you. Whoever you are, I am accessible to you. Jesus' blood this morning speaks to us a better word. Now, let me be clear. Jesus' heart is not like this for everyone. Gentle and humble in heart does not mean sort of mushy and fluffy in heart. In Matthew 11, just before Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, he said, woe, woe to you people, woe to you towns that have rejected my invitation. He says it will be more bearable for the people of Sodom on Judgment Day than for those people who reject Jesus' invitation. And that's one reason why it's so vital that we have Tri-Church Sunday, like we're doing next Sunday. It's why it's so vital that we have Alpha, because sadly there are many people who haven't yet responded to Jesus' invitation to come to him, and we long that they do. And so as Jamie was saying, next Sunday, I'm going to be speaking the whole sermon on this invitation, this invitation of Jesus to everyone to come to him. And next Sunday would be a wonderful time, as well as coming yourself, definitely come yourself, but it would be a wonderful time too, to think, who can I invite to come along to church and to hear this invitation? Maybe you could even invite a group of six. So that's the first invitation. First invitation this morning, Jesus says, you are invited to come to but, but I'm sure this morning as well, I hope we know, we, I'm sure we do, that the Christian life, it's not just a sort of individual activity between me and Jesus. We are also, we're invited to come to community, to community. And that's why we've been so keen to gather again like this, despite the restrictions on how church services work. In our Bible passage from Hebrews, the context is that Christians are being tempted to drift away from their faith. And the letter of Hebrews, it's really an encouragement to hold fast to Jesus, but also to hold fast to each other. So back in chapter 10, the writer has written, he said, let us not give up meeting together. But in our little passage today in chapter 12, actually the writer does something that I find absolutely fascinating. Let's look at it again. Hebrews 12, verse 22. This is what it says. It says, but you, that's believers in Jesus, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Now, here's the, the first point. That word church there, in the Greek, it's ecclesia. It simply means gathering or assembly. So church, it is not the building, but the people. It is the followers of Jesus who gather together, who assemble together. And so, yes, we could, in theory, keep going without this wonderful building, but we could not keep going without gathering together. It is that important. But here's the even more striking thing in those verses. The writer is painting a picture of the heavenly Jerusalem. But what does he not say? He doesn't say, you will come there in the future when you're in heaven. He doesn't say that. Not you will come. He says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. He says, you're already there. You see, church now, it's not just a gathering, as important as gathering is. But church now is also a a foretaste of heaven. It is a foretaste of heaven. What we're doing now, it is a foretaste of heaven. I don't know how that makes you feel, this idea that church is a foretaste of heaven. Thankfully, there won't be any need for face marks or anti-back gel in heaven. Thankfully, we'll be able to sing freely in heaven, and hopefully my voice will sound better uh, than it does on earth. 
Um, I, I don't know personally how you found uh, the experience. When we were in complete lockdown and we just had the online services, I don't know how you found the experience of online services, but I'll be honest with you. For us as a family, generally they ended up in family arguments. And the reason was this. Um, for those of you on live stream, I don't know if this is the case for you now. I hope not. But um, um, the reason was this, that the, our worship team here, they put together and they worked so hard at putting together um, fantastic songs for us to be able to sing in our own homes. And uh, we get to the point in the service where we were to sing, and I would gather with my family, and I'd start singing, and the rest of them, the, my children, would just go, shut up, Dad, it's just, you're just tone deaf, it's just awful, we cannot sing with the racket you're making, and I'd then get mortally offended, uh, and, um, uh, yeah, and then we'd have an argument. So it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. Now, hopefully your experience of online church was better than ours, was more heavenly. But how does it make you feel? That what we are involved in now, gathering as believers, it is a foretaste of heaven. In the final few minutes, let me give you an encouragement and a challenge from that truth that what we have now is a foretaste of heaven. Here's the challenge. Sometimes these gatherings may not feel like a foretaste of heaven, and not just because of my bad singing. You know, yes, there is a challenge in terms of me and others making sure that what is said and taught and sung and prayed is not banal and tedious. Yes, there's a challenge in terms of all of us choosing to come to church rather than doing something else. I spoke to someone last week and they were so honest with me. He said, he said to me just after the service, he said, a couple of years ago, I'd come regularly to church. Then I got, things got busier with children and things like that. And it was once a fortnight, then it was once a month, and then hardly ever. And he said to me, now, having had lockdown, he's recognized again the need to gather again with other Christians. And he said, actually, now, out of lockdown, actually, I realize I need to come back to church regularly. But I think the biggest challenge for all of us here who have, who have chosen to gather, to be here, to turn up, the main challenge is, do we gather with the right attitude? And that is not so much thinking, what can I get out of this time? It's not thinking, what can I get out of it? What's in it for me? but rather thinking, how can I help make this time a foretaste of heaven for others? How can I do that? You know, things as simple as praying for this service, being part of the hosting team, looking out for those who are new or don't know someone, you know, having a chat or a drink or a meal with others after the service on the common or elsewhere in groups of six or less, of course. You know, how can each of us be thinking, not what's in it for me from this service, but how can I help make this time more a foretaste of heaven for others, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a big thing to think, but that is what I want to encourage us all to be thinking through as we gather. So that's the challenge. But here's the encouragement. As we gather like this as a community of believers, this is a foretaste of heaven. We have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. And so at this particular moment in time, this is the best place where we can recover with all the challenges of life in these last months. This is the best place that we can recover when we're feeling weary and we're feeling burdened. One person was saying to me a few weeks ago how uh, much of a, a recovery curriculum that she was looking at for children in terms of uh, children reintegrating back into school after lockdown, how so much of this recovery curriculum was totally applicable for adults. And you know, at this time particularly, my prayer for our gatherings is that this can be a place of recovery for you. That this can be a place of recovery, whatever your age, 
through the worship, through the word, through the prayer, through ministering to each other, that this can be a place of recovery. Another person said to me last week how it was such a blessing to be back gathering in person. He said, if I'm honest, he said, when I come to church, I am feeling, and this is the word he used, he said, I'm feeling battered. He said, from all the challenges I'm experiencing in my work and other areas of life in the last week, I am feeling battered and just gathering like this, being encouraged, interacting with dear brothers and sisters in Christ means I'm able to to, to go out again into another week of challenges. Now, both of those individuals, they're expressing this idea that in some way, what we have here as we gather, it is a foretaste of heaven. Here on a Sunday, meeting in a connect group, it is meant to encourage us in the face of all the challenges of life. And it's meant to encourage you that you're not on your own in the Christian life and that there are plenty of other people who are sane and sensible and head screwed on who believe what you believe despite the world saying or implying that you're an idiot to believe in the truth about Jesus. You know, currently, there is such a culture of negativity in our world. But as we gather, as we gather, we can be a community of hope. Counteracting that culture of negativity, HTC, as we gather, we can be a community of hope. And so let's not limit what God can do because of what we can't do at this moment. So yes, we can't fully sing. Yes, we can't see each other's mouths with our face masks. Yes, we can't have so many people in the building. Yes, we have to socialize in groups of no bigger than six. But we don't need to limit what God can do because of what we can't do. And so my prayer, my prayer for our times of coming together, our times of gathering in community, my prayer is that this place be a foretaste of heaven. That it might be a foretaste of heaven for you and I as we, we who are weary and burdened, as we come to Jesus. To Jesus, the one who is gentle and accessible and who gives each one of us rest for our souls.